Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? It's good to see you. Isn't it nice that it's a little bit cooler this week? Oh, man, I love that. It is still a little too hot for me, but at least it's comfortable in the room right now. And hopefully, if you're watching online, it's comfortable for you as well. Well, uh, today, as we uh, jump into our, uh, the third week of our Relentless Joy series, we're going to look at what is probably my favorite passage in the letter of Philippians. In fact, this is the chapter that I think I'd mentioned in week one. This is the chapter that I had worked so hard to memorize uh, when I was in junior and senior high. And uh, I wish I could remember it as well now as I did back then, but uh, it's still a very, very meaningful passage to me. We're going to be looking at Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles or devices, feel free to pull those out. It will also be on the screen. Now, so Philippians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, is probably one of the most well-known passages in the book of Philippians. It's long. And there's a lot to it. We're not going to get to everything today as we look at this whole passage. We're going to focus on a few of the earlier verses in this passage. But for the sake of context, I would like to read all of that for us this morning. So Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And uh, it reads like this. Is there any any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy, or in some other translations it might say, or make my joy complete by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or uh, something to be grasped in some other translations. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself even further in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross." Therefore, God elevated him to the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen, period, and a whole bunch of exclamation points, right? (laughs) That is such a powerful passage of Scripture. And so I'm, I'm thankful to be talking about that. We've been using uh, Philippians as a focus point to talk about the idea of joy, biblical joy, and how that works in our lives and in our thinking. One of the main points of the series, we've heard it every week so far, uh, is this, that joy is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. In the first week, we outlined two foundational concepts about who God is and how he acts in the world. His grace and his peace, if you remember, we looked at Paul's kind of normal greeting, citing that those are foundational and critical uh, concepts for us who follow Jesus to think about how God, who, who he is and how he works in the world, and that we can build joy on those foundational concepts of who God is and how he works. Last week, we explored the idea 
that biblical joy is a joy that can be found even in the midst of hardship and suffering, which is a difficult kind of experience, and, and I'm thankful to have been able to talk about it because that's not an idea or a concept that really works in our culture these days. But if you, if you missed any of those, I want to encourage you to go listen to those messages, go back on the website. We've got them in podcast form if you'd like to look at those or listen to those as well. So as we look at this passage today, uh, here at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul talks, we're going to get a little bit more practical uh, for this morning. Paul talks about one of the vehicles uh, for experiencing joy in our lives. So for example, or in other words, what I'm saying is if you practice this habit, you will experience a deep-seated, relentless joy that is born of God's Spirit, no matter your circumstances. So, like I said, we're going to get into the realm of something practical and very meaningful. So I'm going to, we're going to, I want to read a little, I'm going to go back and read again part of uh, Philippians uh, here to kind of really set our hearts and minds on this. So the beginning of this chapter says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And here it is. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as that, as Christ, that Christ Jesus had. So, here it is. While, we, while it might not make a lot of sense initially to us or especially in our prevailing culture, the practice of humility is an essential key to the kind of joy that we've been talking about. So we're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be humble? Uh, what, is, what does that look like and how do we experience that? So I'm going to read this multiple times because I think if we, if we hear this over and over, the Lord's going to speak something maybe specifically to you. But uh, the passage we're focusing on is don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out, or don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the uh, same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I'd like to just pause here for a moment and just pray for us as we dive into this discussion. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and our minds. Show us where we can apply this in our lives. Convict us, Jesus, of ways that we're not living into the way that you have called us to live. Uh, We just say yes to your Holy Spirit speaking to us uh, in, in convicting and inspiring ways this morning. Move Holy Spirit powerfully amongst us today. In your name we pray, amen. Humility is a key because if we do it right, uh, humility is a powerful expression of love that allows both the giver and the receiver to experience the world and relationships the way that God intended. That's what humility will do for us if we do it right. (laughs) It's an expression of love that then we get to experience God and each other the way that God intended. But humility is tricky, isn't it? Because as soon as you consider yourself a humble person, you're probably no longer humble, (laughs) right? Uh, I once had a man come up to me when I was teaching a class on uh, on New Testament, and uh, he came up to me and told me that he was fully sanctified, that he hadn't sinned in almost 50 years, 
and that if I needed someone to help me teach on things like humility, he'd be willing to help. <laughs> I was like, hmm, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he had some, more, some work to do on the idea of sanctification and humility. Uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. So how do we understand humility and how does that lead toward joy? So funny enough, uh, the idea of humility often gets defined in ways that defy its character. Most definitions of humility, uh, most definitions come at humility trying to understand it in reference to ourselves, right? Uh, Seeking something to say like, okay, we understand humility as like self-denial or self-sacrifice. And there's part of it that that is included in that, but defining humility in reference to ourselves ironically can work against the general idea of humility, right? So in other words, defining humility in reference to oneself can ultimately defeat the goal of actually being humble as if to say, man, I've been working really hard on this and you know what? I'm finally selfless. (laughs) I'm finally humble. (laughs) Uh, So that's funny enough, but maybe we can try to come at understanding humility in a different way. Uh, At least in part, uh, let's think about this together. Because I think in order to get a good idea of what Paul's understanding of humility is, it might be helpful to consider the opposite of humility. Every so often, if maybe you've experienced this, but every so often defining the opposite of something can help crystallize a good understanding of a word or an idea. And so understanding the opposite of humility might give us some good insight into what humility is and then how it's linked to joy. So if I asked you, what's the opposite of humility? Just think in your, in your mind, what might you say? I think the typical response that one would probably hear is that the opposite of humility is pride. We see that often in Scripture. Pride is a significant uh, affront to God in Scripture. Now, I, say, I, I would say generally I agree with that, that pride uh, is essentially the opposite of humility. But what's really great about today's passage is that it leads us to another way of thinking about the opposite of humility. It actually helps us think in a very particular way about uh, the opposite of humility. Again, I'm going to read this again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So according to this passage... The opposite of humility, at least in part, is selfishness. Now, that's a little bit different than the general idea of pride, though selfishness is a form of pride uh, that comes out in our behavior and our thinking. Maybe we can think of pride in general is that that pride exists or or exhibits itself as a hyper-dependence on human abilities. Essentially, we put ourselves in pride, we put ourselves on the throne of our life, We say, thanks, God, I got it from here, right? We just take God out of an authority position of our lives. So if that's pride, then selfishness is a hyper-focus on using those human abilities to satisfy our own desires over and above anybody else, right? So these things tear our focus away from God and what He alone can do in the world, So remember that humility is a key to joy because if it's done correctly, it's a powerful expression of true love, love in the right direction toward that allows us to experience the world and relationships like God intended.
So if humility is a true expression of love in the right direction toward God and toward other people, then selfishness is a failure to love appropriately. Have you ever thought about it that way? (laughs) Because a self-centered approach, this is so powerful when you think about this, a self-centered approach to life and toward other people takes all the possibility of God's intention for our lives, our relationships, and takes all the possibility of God's intention for someone else, else and it turns that in on ourselves. <laughs> oh, that's so, it takes, so we stop seeing the world and people around us as God does. Our holy imagination, that's H-O-L-Y, our, our, our ability as followers of God to just imagine all that God can do, his renewal, his redemption, his restoration, the way that he transforms things, right? It takes all the possibility of that in our lives and for someone else, and we say, nope, I'm not interested in what else is happening, God, with other people or you. I want all of that for me. <laughs> it turns it in on ourself. We begin to see, uh, we, we begin to stop seeing the world and people around us as God does. The irony of this egocentric, selfish outlook in our lives is that at times that can make us feel very important and very powerful, right? All my attention is on me. All my efforts and resources are going toward me. This is great. I, I am the king of the world of my own little world, right? <laughs> but the irony is that that even though that that kind of outlook can maybe make us feel powerful, what it's doing is it's actually cutting us off from the ultimate power of God's loving spirit and action in the world and what God can do with people who are walking in step with the spirit, right? That's what we want, is to be so connected with the way that God thinks, the way that God loves and acts in the world that we want to align ourselves with that. That's... That's what humility does is it essentially puts us in that right kind of alignment with God and how we love God and other people. Selfishness does the opposite of that. It takes us out of that alignment. It says, thanks, I don't want any of that. I'm in it for me. If we live that way, we miss opportunities to experience and share the transformative love of God with everyone around us. And that is not how God designed things to work. Paul knew this is hard for us all, right? We don't necessarily tend toward holiness when we're left on our own, right? (laughs) We tend toward me uh, and what I want. And so Paul writes this very important passage, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The message translation puts it this way. Put yourself aside uh, and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand and think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. This is a powerful passage because what Paul does here after he mentions this, after he writes this, he kind of does what we were jokingly talking about earlier this week as a humble brag, right? He's going to like, this is like a drop the mic moment for, for Paul when he gives this next example. I mean, he really goes for it here uh, when, when he's trying to give an example of what he's talking about. He doesn't just use like a, a, an example from his own life. He's talking about humility. He's like, you know, like for example, this happened in my life, right? 
No, he goes about as far as he goes, uh, as he can, and he plays the Jesus card. He says, I'm talking about humility. Now let me give you the ultimate example. Mic drop before he even gets to it, right? (laughs) And this is what he says. He, Jesus, had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. Even that alone. You could stop right there and you're like, whoa, that's incredible what Jesus has done. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took the status of a slave. He became human. Having become a human, he stayed human. It was, incre- it was an incredibly humbling process. <laughs> Talk about a little bit of an understatement, right? <laughs> it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Paul is saying, humility and selflessness in how we think and in how we live is so important. It should be a mark of our lives. It should be a mark of followers of Jesus. Oh, let me give you an example. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, One author I read this week wrote this. I used to think of humility as as thinking less of oneself. Later, I thought of it as thinking of oneself less. Here's what I'm slowly learning. Humility is not about myself or the self at all. Humility is all about others. Humility is not putting yourself down. That's false humility. Humility is all about lifting others up. Isn't that a great way to think about it? Lifting up God to his rightful place in our life and lifting up others as we do everything we can to love and to serve. Humility can be a vehicle on which we experience joy. And if we adopt this understanding, because humility becomes about selfless love, both for God and other people, and it should mark who we are. It's love directed correctly toward God and toward others. I want to live my life like that, and sometimes it means that I have to set aside something I think I might be entitled to, (laughs) something that I might feel like a sacrifice to me for the sake of someone else. But what that person experienced is a love, it's God's love that is life-changing, completely transforming. Humility in the way of Jesus can form love in us. It can make us whole and in God's power bring true and lasting joy because there's an experience of joy when we're in that kind of right alignment with God and we're we're loving God as we should and we're loving other people it then becomes a lot easier to sacrifice something or or give up something you might feel entitled to when you experience the joy of of, of loving like God loves and seeing other people experience the same thing, right? Have you ever had that happen? It's incredible. (laughs) Andrew Murray, uh, an author who wrote one of the most well-known books on humility, wrote this. "If If we are indeed to be humble, not only before God, but towards others, If humility is to be our joy, we must see it as being clothed upon with the very beauty and blessedness of heaven and of Jesus. Isn't that a great way to think about it? Humility is the beauty of being clothed in heaven and Jesus. We see that Jesus found his glory in taking the form of a servant. He simply taught us the blessed truth that there is nothing so divine and heavenly as being the servant and helper of all. 
the faithful servant who recognizes his position finds real pleasure in satisfying the wants of the master or his guests. When we see that humility is something infinitely deeper than contrition, we accept it as our participation in the life of Jesus himself. We shall all begin to learn that it is the highest fulfillment of our destiny as created in the image of God. Because, isn't that amazing? What happens in true humility is we become a true reflection of the Lord himself. If joy, uh, if joy, this is, I love this. This maybe uh, Philippians actually talks about this concept quite a bit. If joy is a primary theme in the book of Philippians, one, I think a second uh, primary theme in the book of Philippians that doesn't get talked about as much is humility. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you've, you've not thought about that before, but it's a powerful kind of, it's powerful and woven in in this entire book, and it's deeply connected to the idea of joy. Humility is a vehicle for joy in our lives. In other words, to get to real, Jesus-based, deep and lasting joy, you can do that through humility, the way that Jesus did it. He set aside the privilege, his privileges, willingly took up the mantle of a servant, and then he went far beyond the definitions of just set, simply setting something aside. For the joy that was set before him, it tells us in Hebrews 12 that he humbled himself and as a human he went all the way to death on a cross for you and for me. Incredible. What incredible selfless sacrifice and love. A hyper-dependence on God in that moment in his life. Uh, so as we're thinking about this, I just want to ask you, how is the Spirit speaking to you? Is there something that the Spirit is, speak, is, is bringing to mind? Maybe you have, you've, you've thought about this before. Maybe you've worked through it in your life before. I was just thinking about how these kinds of humble, selfless acts can bring the kind of joy that, we're been, that we've been talking about. And I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, when Christine and I had just been married for a few years, we were both working at a free Methodist church in Oregon, uh, we had just started uh, working in ministry, and so we, uh, we didn't make much at that point, uh, but on staff was a young, younger youth pastor who was working with me, and, and uh, he was like the most passionate guy that I've experienced, especially he did a great job connecting with youth, but he was working like three or four jobs. He just couldn't make ends meet. So a few different times, Christina and I would put an, anom an anonymous envelope in his box with a couple hundred dollars in it. <laughs> it was really hard for us to afford to do that. But this, uh, this young youth pastor had it even worse in terms of, uh, he just sometimes wasn't able to make, uh, uh, pay for rent or, or buy food. And so it was tough for us to do that. But I'll never forget those moments when he would come to me with this envelope, not knowing that we had given it to him. He said, Kyle! Look at what God did. <laughs> he's like, I want to know who's doing this, you know? And he's like, but I can pay rent this month or I can buy food. And the joy that he experienced, I'll never forget. And the joy that Christina and I experienced in those moments, though it was hard for us, I'll never forget. And I would do it all over again. <laughs> we could, uh, I know, I know I know that you all have stories like that too. I've experienced some of those uh, with you. I've been the, benefit, the beneficiary of some of your humble acts of love. Uh, so I, we all have stories that we could tell about how this works. 
So I guess as we kind of come to the end of the message, I just want to ask, how was the Spirit speaking to you this morning? Think about this. How have you been treating others around you? Has it been with selfless and humble love? Are you humbly submitting yourself, your life, the way you think and your actions to God in the way that He intended? Are you defined as a daughter and a son of the Lord? And do you see others the way that the Lord sees? (laughs) Is your holy imagination at work from a humble position of love toward God and other people? Are you willing to take on the mantle of a servant to see the power and love of God working in the life of people around you and in our communities? Are you putting on display the loving character of God instead of fighting with and or trying to use other people to get what you want? These are tough questions, but they're good questions, right? They help us take steps forward in our faith. Another author I read this week wrote this, To be genuinely humble means knowing our weaknesses as well as our strengths. Perhaps more than anything else, the humble know Uh, The humble not only know uh, where they are vulnerable, but they know their source of power. They live from the inside out, not the outside in. The humble have power, but the power is not so much in them as through them because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great to think about? Humility is a key because if we do it right, humility is a powerful expression of love that allows, allows both the giver and the receiver to experience the world and relationships the way that God intended. Humility is a vehicle for joy in our life. We get to the real Jesus-based, deep and lasting joy through humility the same way that Jesus did it. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. When we live day by day with a hyper-dependence on God, and that, that humble pasture, posture then uh, creates a thriving of our life in the Spirit. And we move away from selfish desires and actions, which then translate into greater love for God and greater love for other people. And it is all for the glory of God. Amen? Look at, just be as a reminder, this is what happens. This is how Paul ends this whole passage. Because of that obedience, he's talking about Jesus. God lifted him to the uh, high and honored him far above anyone else or anyone or anything ever so that all created beings of heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. (laughs) That's why we do this. Amen.